DJ. Ivor. Do you know what really overcooks my ramen? What? The caucasity mixed <laughs> with audacity. <laughs> I want to know where they find this audacity. So a 22-year-old, and she was in a hotel lobby, and she had lost her phone. And then she accused a 14-year-old black boy of stealing her phone. And then later it was discovered that they didn't have the phone. The hotel found the phone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And um, then later on, a video was, was shown that she actually, like, physically attacked this boy because she had racially profiled him. I saw it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I, everything I learned about this case, I learned against my will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then seeing the follow-up, I guess the follow-up footage or like the coverage of this where she does Mm -hmm. that interview. When Gail King did that interview with her. So like Gail King is with like CBS, right? She's like the main anchor Mm -hmm. of CBS. And uh, she interviewed her just to see like why, why this happened. And Gail King not mentioning anything about racism. Obviously, it is definitely racially motivated because there were many other people in the lobby, but she had singled out this black minor. Gail didn't even bring up that part of it. She was just like, he was a young boy. You are 22 years old. Do you see how what you did was wrong? And then she brings up this thing about like, Gail, come on. I am, she doesn't know what to say. She goes, I am a 22 year old. He is... And then she couldn't say black. But what she was trying to say was that I'm not racist. If you have to say that you're not racist. You're probably doing or saying something racist. And then the thing that drove me over the edge was like while Gail was talking, she goes, she puts her hand up to the camera and she goes, Gail, enough. Mm. I just. The disrespect. I was so angry, but also then admired Gail for keeping her cool. But Gail has always been like this presence because I remember that interview with like R. Kelly Mm -hmm. and where he stood up and he was yelling and she was like Robert 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 you know how you would talk to like a child (laughs) to just get them just to say their name to make sure that they're heard to make them calm down like it's amazing just the level of of confidence and professionalism that she brings to media it's just she and Oprah are just other best. So that interview really stood out to me because it was happening around the same time as Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation hearing, where he is so emotional and like isn't the stereotype that like women are too emotional to be in positions of power because like what if they have a period while they're like in the office and like you know send off the nuclear missiles just because she's having PMS. Like, that whole stereotype was playing out around the same time because they're saying, who's it, Dr. Christine Blaisley Floyd? Mm-hmm. Blaisley Ford. She, like, how is she a reliable witness? Like, maybe she's just too emotional about this, blah, blah, blah. Like, R. Kelly literally stood up in his chair in a one-on-one interview and then started yelling at his interviewer but who no had one... to sit there and just take it and be patient with him and try to do her job. Mm, make it make sense. Let me just just do a quick read for the men that even consider P. 
PMS or a woman's reproductive cycle as an insult or as a reason for a woman not being able to do something? Did you know the reason women have the fluctuation of emotion is because, because of, testosterone. of the testosterone spike? Yeah. I get so angry that I want to scream and be like, are you fucking stupid? Why open your mouth when you have absolutely no idea what happens to a woman's body? Everyone is entitled to their opinion, but that doesn't mean that sometimes it's not a fucking stupid opinion. Yeah, you, like I have opinions and I have learned that they are stupid too. And then what do I do? I do better. But when men talk about women and they bring up anything about their hormones, that's when I go, you can shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I am those one or two days of bustle soreness after you've done squats. <laughs> <laughs> I am coming to you as the human embodiment of the chronic fatigue felt by people of color everywhere the world over, but America especially, with all of this like capital insurrection, like domestic terrorism coup news that's been popping up unrelentingly. And there are physical dimensions to it too, like chronic stress, chronic fatigue is a real thing that you carry in your body. Yeah. It's not just it's not just in your head. It's definitely not just in your head. And so for the people that have that listen to this and that haven't experienced this kind of discrimination, I talk about this a lot in my personal life and I bring a lot of things back to race and just because you aren't able to see the levels of discrimination and racism just because you don't understand it or see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so today's episode is very much a highlight of how the perceptions of one race have affected our lives. Everyone's lives. I have two things that I guess caused me some level of trauma or or hurt me in some way that happened in Korea. So the first one was I was in a cafe buying coffee and this woman asked me in English, why are you not handsome? Excuse me? Yeah. It's not, so uh, right now I'm still shocked at that question. Like just how you were like dumbfounded. She why literally asked you, me this. Why are you not handsome? Yeah. So I didn't know how to respond because I had never received that question in my life ever. And this was a Korean woman who I would say her English level wasn't that great, but she could phrase that question. Why are you not handsome? So... But uh, if that was bad phrasing, what did she want to know? What was I supposed to tell her that my I left my handsomeness in my other <laughs> pants that day? Like, I have no idea, but that is so stuck in my head when it comes to like westernized beauty standards because I had worked with another South African guy and he was white white I mixed and he was just completely white mm -hmm. blonde hair tall blue eyes very very Eurocentric so the experience of working at that um, academy um, they later discovered that I am not white but for a person that doesn't know any better, like my skin color, it's very much I come across as white. But mm -hmm. for black people, they can see, oh, no, honey child, you ain't you have some mix in you. Mm -hmm. And um, let me tell you something. I cling on to that mix for dear life. <laughs> but um, they treated him much different. Like I was the better and more senior person there. I was the better teacher. 
because you could see the way that my students responded or the students responded to me compared to him. Mm-hmm. So um, they would literally like when he leaves, they'll say, blah, blah, sem, nomushiro. They would just like talk amongst themselves. Oh, like so they didn't like him. They really didn't like him. If he needed to go to the doctor, he could go and I would have to cover his classes. Or he could go earlier, like go home earlier. Or when we'd have like winter intensives, I would have to come to school and work at like 10.30 a.m. until 10.30 in the evening. And he would just come at normal time. Like he was given so much preference because he's this tall white man that is this image of like attraction for new students and i don't know i guess some level of of like look we have this uh this white man here teaching us english it's like yeah i Mm, i mean that's really unfortunate and just sad to me Mm. especially because like why why should it matter you know and it's hard to ignore how eurocentric if we're being fancy like those standards of beauty have really infiltrated korea as well as like globally they have so much influence where people in non-white non-european non-western parts of the world are comparing themselves to this standard of beauty that isn't even like doesn't reflect them or doesn't represent them and it shouldn't why should it have to because it's so ingrained in our history that when you are not vigilant is a subconscious thing that happens. Yeah, it sneaks into like Every your part. awareness, into your perceptions about others, about yourself, where like, oh, why is my face so flat? Or like, why is my nose so flat? Or like, why are my mm. eyes so small? Or like, why don't I have a double fold? All of these beauty standards I mean, like specifically in Korea. Mm. This is why, this very reason is why, and I have some friends that get uncomfortable with me, but I bring up whiteness all the time because it does <laughs> pervade our society, even us living here in Korea. I almost feel compelled to point it out wherever I see it happening, just to make people aware that a lot of what you see is skewed, a lot of what you think is the standard or things that that couldn't even possibly be connected, I can find the connection to (laughs) Eurocentric beauty standards. I mean, on that note, like this is a letter that we got in response to our episode about body image, body Mm -hmm. talk. Um, But someone wrote to us and said, I grew up with family members constantly pointing things out about my face that they thought weren't ideal. The darkness of my skin, my monolids, the size of my eyes, the sparseness of my eyebrows, the height of my nose, the size of my lips, the flatness of my face, etc. So that's pretty much my whole face, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, every single facial feature of mine didn't line up with the like national standards of beauty. Um, and even that would have been enough to send me over the edge. But unfortunately, I also had a textbook narcissistic sister who wielded these comments against me as part of her constant abuse. Um, And I think this just points out, like, she mentioned her, I guess, like, her nationality, um, Mm. but I don't want to give away who she is. Yeah, exactly. But her family is from a not U.S., like, not white background, Mm. and yet they still have these standards of beauty that they're holding against her that really do line up with a more Eurocentric physicality. 
thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, see, that's the the reason why, as part of my intention of doing this show, is for some people to feel a sense of like, hey, someone like understands someone what I'm going it. through. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, I was it's sad and also thankful that she had shared that kind of information with us um and know that we are people that do understand mm. but that leads into what we want to talk about today is how in korea and also big part of asia the like double eyelid surgery i don't yeah. know what you call it it's like it's both the eyelid surgery and also at the corners i don't know what you call that when you like open the eyes also like Two wider team. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. So how that was brought to Korea by a Dr. Ralph Millard, um, who was an American military plastic surgeon in the early 1950s. And he was the one that developed and um, performed this procedure mm -hmm. in South Korea. So as far as like I know that the first Koreans who underwent the surgery are said to have been war brides who married American soldiers and to make the brides more acceptable and less threatening to, In American society. to the American society. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fucked up. I know that today that's not the reason, yeah. obviously not the reason why it happens. It's the, the reason for um, the popularity in this surgery is a different part of like Korean beauty standards. But I don't think that we can ignore this beauty standard that it was um, based on the um, the science and opinions of a race that places the privileged white body as the norm of beauty standards. Yeah, the way that whiteness and like the valuing of white bodies and whiteness over everything else is just like an, a really uncomfortable reality in beauty standards, in everything really. Isn't that the reason why that woman asked me why you're not handsome? <laughs> Because her idea of a foreigner that with my skin color, she has this idea of handsomeness, of what a man should look like. Yeah, white equals handsome. And that just makes me so angry because like living in Korea and seeing the way, for instance, in gay culture, how certain um, Korean men would go after a white guy and we call mm -hmm. them potato queens. Because, oh, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I've been in a club and um, I've seen a very un... They look unwashed, but they're probably washed. But just <laughs> not well put together. I don't even know if they know what moisturizer is. Um, I'm so sorry, um, but I will use the term whiteness. <laughs> and when it comes to white, I mean a certain racist, white, older white man. So it's not all white people. So just in case someone goes as angry not at me. Not all white people. It's, it's, when we say whiteness, we mean the people who are offended when I say white. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not offended, move on. This is exactly. about you. <laughs> um, and then there were these two Korean guys with them, like looking fly, looking beautiful, handsome, all BB creamed, the hair was oh. <laughs> They were looking so great. And you know that half the reason they are with these men are just because they're white. That really brings up for me, like the issue of like, especially because I've seen this around me, like Asian girls, Asian women that will like proudly say, oh, I only <gasps> date white men. Do you know how many like gay Koreans say that yeah. on like the gay dating apps. 
And I don't think like I don't think there's a problem with interracial relationships or anything like that. But it's just the the issue is when you say I only date white men, you're just completely discounting all these other people that maybe you would get along with better or that you're not giving an opportunity to. And Mm -hmm. is you don't you're not obligated to give everyone a fair opportunity, like whatever. It's your personal life. Yeah. But it just speaks to a very like narrow minded and somewhat like internalized I was going to get to that. Where, why aren't you okay entertaining the idea of dating someone who isn't white? The reason why you're not entertained by that is because, or why you're not entertaining that idea is because all through your formative years through even to today, the representation of what is handsome has been white Mm -hmm. in media, in Korean media all over the world. So you have been conditioned to like the white body over anything else. Because what you see of Africa in certain um, media circles, especially in Korea, is a UNICEF video about kids with fly in his face. Like, that's what you see. It comes down to a level of internalized, I would almost say internalized hatred. Um, where you align yourself with what is supposed to be the the superior standard of beauty. And so in that way, um, like dating a white person or dating a white man or going after that preference, you put yourself closer to that standard of beauty. Yeah, you're distancing yourself from something that is made to appear like unappealing and you the only way you break that is by becoming deeply self-aware because i think i don't know if i mentioned this before like i having grown up in a very conservative society not necessarily household my mom was very much she didn't Mm -hmm. care much but like (laughs) being feminine and gay was like you get teased for it you get abused for it you get attacked for it people just we we know yeah. that whole we spiel. know what happens yeah where as an adult i find it very very difficult to be around not even date but even being around a man who is extremely effeminate you told me about this exactly so i had internalized homophobia from other people and so even being comfortable with being gay and liking men um I still cannot be around someone who is overtly effeminate. This was one of the topics on one of my favorite podcasts. Well, not a podcast, but like a a YouTube show um, by these two drag queens. Oh, yeah, right. Trixie and Katya. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's actually the title of their show. We're not just making noises. (laughs) Um, But they talk about like toxic masculinity and within the gay community and like this preference of like mask for mask or like mm-hmm. masculine gaze for masculine gaze. I guess that's the full yeah, term. Yeah, mask, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to straight explain you. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, don't worry. <laughs> but they they do like this parody, I guess, of like what those people are like. And it's yeah. just, mm, it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. So um, just circling back to the whole like yeah. thing of like the... the, the White beauty standards oh. and... What we have to recognize is that throughout the ages and colonization and um, imperialism, imperialism, westernized beauty standards is that what we have considered normal is a straight white Christian man. If you are anything else, you orbit around this as otherness. And there's like degrees, like as far, like different moons orbiting this mass of standard. Mm -hmm. Right. And so... That is the problem, is that we have decided that 
it's just in our culture, in our humanness for a lot of people, for the vast majority that that is normal and you don't even know that that's what you think. That's how deep it runs. That's a good point though because I know a lot of people and myself to some degree when I think about Korean beauty standards, I don't think white. Mm. So the preference for like smaller faces or bigger eyes or higher noses, all of that I would say is part of the Korean beauty standard. Mm -hmm. I don't immediately make the jump from that to looking like a white person because for me personally, like what is beautiful by Korean standards isn't to become a white person. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I like being Korean. I feel like many people that have this Korean beauty standard are like, no, I like being Korean, exactly. looking Korean, but it's just a very specific version of mm. Korean. Yeah. But that doesn't negate the fact that there is still that association between what is considered beautiful within Korea and what has this proximity to whiteness exactly and the proximity is very close to whiteness mm. than it is to having curly hair for instance or like being pale being i mean Oof, yeah. now there are a lot of like more like i guess counter movements or mm. there's like pushback to this idea that there's only one standard of beauty yeah so like jesse for example the the rapper oh yeah i love her just oh, so much well i mean she's also korean american yeah um, so I think that's where maybe some of her influences come from. Mm. But she has a very non-traditional look for Korea. So obviously the most pervasive um, way that we are exposed to this beauty standard is definitely through social media, right? Mm -hmm. So how then do we keep a watchful eye about what we consider as beautiful because when you look in the mirror and you don't look like the unconscious representation that you have in your subconscious i guess mm -hmm. um and there are a lot of people that look into the mirror and they don't like their eyes they hate the way they look which means they hate a part of themselves and that makes me so sad so uh it's such a difficult thing to tackle because it creates so many psychological issues um so how is one practical way that you think um we can subvert that perception. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been like a years long process for me, but mm -hmm. it really started with like diversifying my feed. Mm. So that sounds like, that sounds complicated, but it's basically just like deliberately started following like really diverse accounts, like body positivity. Rihanna and her Fenty line is just a great example of this, Ooh. where it's like showcasing different bodies, different faces, different skin tones as beautiful. And then trying to build up that image within myself where I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to fit one perfect mold of beauty to feel beautiful myself. Rihanna is a perfect example. That mm. Fenty Beauty thing is oh a God. perfect example. Because what you said now, all you really need is that one account. Because after that, you will then be exposed to much more, a much more diversity of, of, of accounts or ways to curate your feed. And the way that social media works, you can just branch off from that one account. Yeah, you just need a bit of diversity. I know this is not like a a, a fix-it-all. Yeah, it's not a fix-all and it's not like a life-shattering tip or anything. But it's a good way to start. If you don't like something about yourself and you don't know why per se, 
then explore then why explore why maybe you just haven't seen other people that have that trait being portrayed in a way that like oh my god look how amazing she is or yeah. oh my god like look how beautiful he is unless you are like psychologically vigilant these things really um they really do affect the way you view yourself where you have a level you can develop a level of body dysmorphia mm-hmm. yeah. so like me for instance like with like working out and how that has been tied to my masculinity like literally like having more muscles mean <laughs> that yeah. you are more masculine um how those two things don't aren't c- connected but i have connected them based off of what the standard for what is considered a um masculine man and then you compound that with being a gay man it's just a whole other oh patty don't start yeah patty don't start <laughs> <laughs> all right so in the spirit of uh, maintaining our mental health and our mental health practices and a lot of that has to do with social media like sometimes people like when you wake up in the morning and your phone is the first thing you grab mm. and you go into social media that unconscious um thing that happens is not very healthy mm-hmm. so w- what is one thing that you did this week for your mental health i started going to bed earlier mm. so for me i know that lack of sleep is a very big trigger for like anxiety or depression or just like feeling a lack of control the next morning because i wake up sleepy or i wake up late or both yeah <laughs> late exactly. and sleepy um and then i don't feel good for the rest of the day i feel like i've wasted hours and i'm not going to get as much done so going to bed early has been my mental health maintenance kind of mental health practice see all you need to do is one thing for your mental health yeah, and just it really do does make thing. a big difference it was hard i mean because <sighs> i wanted to binge netflix but i was like no 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 mm-hmm. go to sleep <laughs> that's like teaching yourself to be more um disciplined yeah. and it kind of connects into what i had discovered like actually today um i was listening to lewis house's podcast called um the school of greatness mm-hmm. and then like in this latest episode um which is basically right down where my passions lie which is neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and also like the ability to alter your state of consciousness and so if you're interested i link that episode like into manifesting kind of like manifesting Ooh. yeah manifesting Ooh. so like i'll link that in the show notes but one thing that this guy said was if you're not waking up being defined by a vision of the future of your future you will be predictable because you will only be operating off of your past behaviors mm. so if you don't wake up every day with like a plan and a vision for who you want to become or what you want to do you are just going to have a groundhog day Yeah. I agree to some extent, but I also like disagree in the small details of that mm-hmm. claim just because it is impossible to wake up every day with like this long-term vision of like this is who I want to be. Some days like the plan is just like make it through the day. And I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I am just very much a person that lives in extremes. So <laughs> it's like if I decide I want to do something then I go for that thing. Yeah. And when I if I think it's something that I want and I don't put in the effort into mm-hmm. it in my mind I didn't really want it that bad. Yeah. So maybe another tip would be like 
what I've done in the mornings is I have for the past four mornings, I have woken up and the first thing I would do is I would put on this like 20 minute positive affirmations, like I am affirmations Mm -hmm. thing. And so instead of like scrolling on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, like first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. is I would put that on immediately. And then within the first two minutes, I am geared for the day, but that thing still plays. And so then Mm -hmm. I don't touch my phone for like the first hour of the day. And the day's different. I need to give that a try. <laughs> you can. I think I'll link that in the link episode, it in the episode notes, notes too. Notes. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Like leaving these little nuggets of something that may resonate or help someone yeah. with their day. So as we wrap up for this episode, Ivor, do you have any shout outs? Um, thank you very much, Inga, for listening. I really appreciate it. And also Dan. Dan um, is my very handsome... A friend, he lives in Texas right now. Oh, he handsome. Um, <laughs> he basically has two redwood trees for legs. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it took me a second to process that second. image. Yeah. Um, so, Dan, thank you for listening, even though you never said that you're listening, but I appreciate it. Um, one very special mention is to my... Um, it sounds like it's my personal tattoo artist, but he may actually become the only person I allow to touch my body in that way. <laughs> um, is my uh, tattooist one. Um, he's on Instagram and also we'll link him below in the show notes. But he designed our logo and it was um, beyond what I had expected. So I am deeply thankful. <laughs> if there is something that we said um, that resonates with you and that you think would resonate with someone else, please pass this episode along. If you are struggling with how to start a conversation with someone, maybe a close friend, relative, and you want us to kind of take the heat for you, then pass it along. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening to today's episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.